read for you and you just follow in your Bibles, you may want to un- underline some of these things because they are very critical to where we are going. Now, Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, having been 17 years old, remember that age, was feeding the flock when his brothers and the lad was with the sons. Bilhah and the son and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wife, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. All right, now Israel loved Jacob more than all his children because he was a son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed did have dominion over us. So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Alright? Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers and his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Hallelujah. This is the word of God. It's living and it's powerful. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you this morning. As the Apostle Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We thank you that you're a good father, a good friend, and a sure savior. And when we think about the, the, the emotional pain that Sister Elaine may be going through right now, having lost a son, here, and in the twinkling of an eye, he's gone. God, we unbearable pain for the human soul. But as your word says, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be the strength of her heart and her portion forever in these trying times. That you will comfort her as she mourns. That you'll be the peace of God that surpasses human understanding in her life in the name of Jesus. God, we pray that the angels of the Lord would encamp round about her and the rest of that family. We thank you, Lord God, that you promised that you'd never leave nor forsake us. So I thank you that you are with her in this dark moment and you'll bring her into your greater light in the name of Jesus. God, we think about even our dear sister Lorna. God, and, and, and the difficulty she's going through with her eyes and the ability to see. 
God, you are a healer and you are the great physician. We pray and we ask in the name of Jesus that you would heal and restore the sight of your daughter according to your great power. Lord God, whether you work through doctors or the people in the medical profession to bring about this or you do it by your own hand directly, God, we are trusting you, we are believing you, and we are putting our faith in your ability to do the impossible in the name of Jesus. And so we, we open our ears to hear the testimony of God's goodness in this circumstance. We pray that you supply all their needs, everything needed to see this through in the name of Jesus. Lord God, as we, we set our ears to hear your word, we ask that you'll open our eyes to see your truth. Open our ears to hear your voice. Open our minds to understand your word. And our hearts to receive everything that you have in store for us. God Almighty, we want to be more than mere hearers of your word. But doers also. So, so, so fix our minds on you. And put our bodies in action. To do that which you command. We thank you and bless you. In Jesus name. Amen. And amen and amen. You may be seated if you can. Hallelujah. Amen. Detours are very, are very hard to deal with for many people. I mean, maybe your detour is a marital detour. Maybe it's a financial detour. Maybe it's an emotional detour. Maybe it's a spiritual detour. In fact, I believe that many believers uh, during this pandemic, they have been, the, the, thing, the norms, the, the, the things that we were used to. And one of the cries of people in this time is, I can't wait for things to come back to normal. Have you heard that? Boy, I can't wait for things to be restored to normal. I hope things get back to normal, to what they used to be. All of us like the family. We like the familiar. And so because we are living in the unfamiliar, we have become uncomfortable and we feel displaced and it is inconvenient and we, we, we can't deal with it. We just want back what we used to have because that is what our minds are trained to operate. Our, our, our mind trained, they, they call it muscle, muscle memory. They talk about at least having muscle memory where they have done things over and over so many times that the body is able to deal with it. It's like we have a mind memory that we have done church over and over a particular way. We, we have done evangelism over and over a particular way. We have done marriage over and over a particular way that anything that deviates from the original way becomes a major problem. And people who can deal with that leave. They leave church, they leave marriage, they leave country, they leave job, they leave God. Because the easiest thing to do is either turn back or leave. Either you work with the program or you work yourself out of the program. Yeah. But the thing is, detours are healthy. And they serve a good purpose in the life of a believer. In fact, I thank God that my life was detoured. Because this was not my determined destination. I was heading somewhere else. God detoured me and changed the destination. And that's how all of us got saved. We were heading somewhere. We did not find God. He found us. We were lost. God has never been lost. He comes to seek and to save those who are lost. We never find God. God is not missing. 
He has never gone missing. And he will never go missing. You cannot find God. God finds you. And he found me. And he said, listen, let me detour you. You are heading down the road. You need to head up the road. And he took me on some corners and some ways that I didn't like. But I'm heading now in the direction that he wants me to. And that's a good thing. That though some of the places that I've gone on this journey, I don't like. I'm heading to the right destination that I like. Amen? You, you, you may not always like the journey, but you'll enjoy the destination. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't like some of the stops. I think some of them are too long. I don't like some of the people who I meet on it. But I think some of them are very good. I think some of them are very bad. But hey, hey God, God, God put them on a journey. And I have to work with a journey or else I'm going to miss the destination. Amen? That's just how it works. But, but David, Joseph in our scripture, the scripture said, he got a dream. Everything was fine until he knew the end. The moment God gave him a vision of the end, everything changed. The moment God shows you what he has for you, even the people around your feelings change towards you. The moment they heard God's plan for him, there's a problem with this. In other words, who are you? David brothers had the same problem. Pharaoh's household had the same problem. People in the church had the same problem with Paul. The, the Pharisees had the same problem with Jesus. Every time man comes to understand his destination and people see it and are aware of it, they have a problem with it. Because in the eyes of many, who are you to want to go there? And that's what happened. But, but detours are distraction from the original intended route that we had planned to take. That's all they are. They are distraction from the original intended route that we had planned to take. That's all they are. All they are, they are just a, a turn off from the original route. Have you ever headed out for somewhere and then uh, you, you, you start taking all of these routes and you say, oh my God, oh my God, like I didn't know that this place looks so beautiful. If you had not gone on the detour, you would not have seen some of the things that you are now seeing. You would have not known some of the places that you now know. And that's, that, that's the thing. They are, they are really distractions from the intended route that we plan to take. So detours are typically unexpected and they are inconvenient. Unexpected, you just never know. Oh, I didn't know. If we knew that there was going to be a detour, like I said earlier, here's what we do. I am not going. If we knew what was there, we would try to change everything. And God, part of walking in faith, part of ordering, having your step, steps ordered by the Lord, acknowledging Him in all your ways as He directs your path, is living in a place that I don't know what next God is going to do. I don't know, but listen, if He tells me, I will go. If he leads me, I will follow. They are always unexpected and un inconvenient thing when it comes on to get into the destination that God has in store for you. In fact, walking by faith, you have the four on. 
You have the unseen if you're going to walk by faith. You have the unknown if you're going to walk by faith. You have the unexpected if you're going to walk by faith. And you, you have the unseen, unknown, unheard of, unexpected. If you're going to walk by faith, there are going to be unexpected things. Unseen things, unknown things, and unheard things. You're going to hear and see things and know things and experience things that you never had in the original journey or in the original plan. All they do is that they take us off our intended route. And as such, it takes us longer than we had planned to get to our final destination. Detours have never changed anyone's destination. It just changed your journey. Say it again. All God is doing is changing your journey. He's not changing your destination. God is not changing your end. He's changing the means to the end. I want want you to get that because what happens to us, and it happens to me, is that many times when the journey changes, we give up on the destination. When the journey changes, we think the destination is over and it's done and we can't again. That is why people bail out in marriage. Because the journey that they had, somehow it's different from what they planned. And so here's what they say. I'm leaving. But God still had a good marriage in store. It's just that it's taking longer than you anticipated. People give up on their jobs. And it was the same job that God was going to elevate them in. But they had a four-year plan. And God had a 40 year plan. Because somehow the journey changed. So let me help you. If we understand this concept, one of the things that will happen is that we'll be better able to navigate life. And here's what we need to understand. That journeys are different. But destinations are the same. So as believers in Jesus Christ, we have a destiny. All of us. From an eternal perspective, we know what our destiny is. It is to be in God's presence forever, worshipping Him and working for Him in that eternal state. So God's plan is that we worship Him. All God is doing is giving the opportunity to worship Him on the detour. To spend time with Him on the detour. To get to know Him on the detour. Because God knows that if you get to your destination before you are prepared to live there, then you can probably get evicted from there. If you get to your destination before you are prepared, you're going to have problems. So God has to teach you to worship Him. So Joseph's destination didn't change when he was in the pit. Joseph's destination didn't change when he was in the prison. He was, it wasn't changed when he was sold as a slave. It wasn't changed when he was forgotten. He still got to the destination. It just took a little longer. Listen, Moses' destination didn't change when he had to flee from Egypt and, and go and live on the backside of the desert. David's destination didn't change when he was running around living in caves. It didn't change. It just took a longer journey to get there because God had some things that he wanted to do in David and wanted to do in people before David could get to where God wanted him to be every time I I come up on a detour I end up back where I originally intended to go and I want you to remember that because if you remember that you won't follow other people you'll follow God Let, let, let me say it again 
if you get that God is going to bring me to the destination it, and whatever path he takes me, you won't stop following God and start following people. Because oftentimes we miss what God has for us because we follow people. Taking their, has that ever happened to you? You see my attack shortcut? Are you, are you follow back of them? <laughs> are you say, hold on, hold on. I'm here, I'm go. Oh, <laughs> All right, all right. And you waste your time following someone because you're just, you just, you, you think they were going to the same place you were going. You don't want to do that. God has a plan for your life and a purpose for your existence. You're not here just to fill up space. You're not just here to, 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 to find something to do. You're here because God had something that he intended for you to do. And he sent you on earth to fulfill that. Joseph had a dream. He had a dream. He had a dream. But again, here's what we want to do. We want to stick to what we know. I heard this long time from my, teen- my teenage years. That if you always do what you've always done, you will always be who you have always been. And that is why sometimes things need to change. Things need to shuffle up. We need to be hit off our roofs. We need to, we need to be, things need to get rough and tough and inconvenient. Because I know that if you live your life in the comfortable, oftentimes you miss God. If all you desire is to be convenient, you're going to miss God. If you live your life living in just the expected and not the unexpected, oftentimes you're going to miss God. Sometimes things need to get rough and get tough. Because when the tough gets going, the weak start running. That's the thing. Weak people run away. Strong people trust God. In it all and through it all. You see, there's a God-designed stamp on your life, but he really takes us to that destiny. Ever takes us to that destiny with detours. Without, without detours. Alright? So if God is going to take you on that destiny, here's the thing. They are going to be detours. Where are you going? Where are you headed? They are going to be detours. The problem, one of the other problems, church, is, and this happens to many of us. Have you ever been headed somewhere and on your way you find something nice and you just stop there? I, you forget about where you're going? That, that's a problem with many of us. You're heading somewhere. You're heading to Negril. And you say, eh, eh. But we never know that this is a nice beach at the Trelawney. <laughs> and you stop at Trelawney. And by the time you know, watch your time run out. Me have your head back to where. And guess what? You never get to go to Negril. Why? You allow the distraction to become your destination. Never let your detour be a destination. It's just a part of the journey. Continue where God is sending you. Don't let the interruption be your stop point. Let them be your rest point for where God is bringing you next. So I have to discipline myself. To know that if God is bringing me somewhere, no matter how nice the river is in Trelawney, I'm heading to Negril. No matter, but it's closer. I'm heading to the grill. 
That's where I'm headed. I'm not going to allow my detour to become my landing spot. I'm going to leave my detour and go on my journey to my desired destination. God's planned purposes. And too often we allow the distractions to become the ending points in our lives. People have delayed entering into their design, God designed plans and purposes because they have stopped at their destructions. Stop at your detour having a good time. Living at your detour enjoying stuff. Missing God's destination for your life. Church, if we get this, if we get the distinction between our destination and our journey, jealousy and hate will leave us. You see, the scripture said they hated Joseph because he told them about his destination. One day you're going to bow down to me. Right? That, that's what they, he told them. And they, they hated him because of that. They hated his words. Like how dare you. You see, because I know that my destination in God is different from yours, I don't want your journey. I'm not going to envy you because of your journey. I'm not going to be jealous because of your journey. Because your journey can only take you to your destination. So if I'm jealous of your journey, then I'm also changing my destination. Do you follow me? If, if you understand that God has a specific destined place and purpose for you, you will take your eyes off people's journey and watch your own. Because here's what we are guilty of. Look how them family love them. Look how fear husband treat her. Eh? How you not treat me so? Because you're going to a different place from the other wife. And if you get the other wife treatment, you're not going to reach where you're going. You're going to reach where she's going. And one of you going to be the real and one going to be camouflage. Or one going to be the bogus. Don't be a bogus. Anytime, anytime we start picking up people's journey, we end up at the same destination as they do and that makes us the bogus. And they are the real thing. Or we are the carbon copy if you want to use a better word and they are the original. If you understand that, you'll never get upset about your journey. Because you despise someone else's journey. Or because you wish you had theirs. You will never ever compare where you are with someone else. Because you understand that your detours are designed specifically for your destination. Your detours are designed based on your specific destination. David had, a different, had different detours than Joseph. Moses had different detours. Every biblical character that you read of, all of their detours were different from the others. Because they all had different destinations. God also uses detours as part of his design for our lives. God uses detours as part of his design for our lives. Why? Because when we face detours, they give us the opportunity to mature 
and to be prepared for the bigger things yet to come. So between the dream and the destination, between the dream and the destiny, there's a maturity that needs to take place. And there's no manifestation until there's maturity. There's no manifestation of the dream until there's a maturity in the individual. In other words, God delays the destination so that we can be matured in the process. It is a preparation, a maturity because of the bigger things that God has in store. So Moses is on a detour in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. Numbers chapter 32 verse 13. Uh, just skip there with me. Uh, Numbers 32 verse 13. So he says this. The Lord's anger was aroused against Israel. And he made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. Very critical to understand. Why does God detour us? Why are we put on detour? Many times it is to remove all the evil. You see, God had the people in a place until all the evil was removed. And when the evil was removed, they got to the destination. In other words, God wants to remove some evil habits and evil practices from our lives. In Jamaica, we say it this way. The higher you climb, is the more you're exposed. And what happened? God wants to give you a high level of anointing. He wants you to operate at the highest level of your gifting. And he knows that you're going to be exposed. He wants to make sure that when you're exposed, there's no evil. There's no wickedness. There's no habitual sin. So what he does, he takes you on a detour before he brings you to your elevation so that he can remove the evil. So why are you being detoured? God is removing the evil. There are some things that you need to stop. There are some things that you need to practice. There are some things that God needs to get out of you. That God needs to get out of me. He's transforming our minds. He's renewing our hearts. He's increasing the work of the spirit in us. He's calling us into deep obedience. He's removing the habitual sin. The besetting sin. The negative thoughts that we have. The, the, the way we communicate with people. He's removing the evil. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So when you are being delayed because you are on a detour, know that God is cutting away some stuff. He's plucking out some stuff. He's removing some stuff. He's reshaping some stuff in our lives. Then he had Abraham. Abraham is on a detour for 25 years while he waits for God to give him an ear. Genesis 12. Let's go back there. Genesis 12. 1 to 4. Speaking of Abraham, the father of faith. It says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your family. You hear that? Get out of your country from your family. I want to, many of us miss this. Here's what happened. And from your father's house to a land I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. You see those other words right there? Those other five words? Problem. What does it say? You have that scripture. Look in your Bibles and it says and Lot went 
with him. All right, let me go back over it again. God said to Abraham, do what? Get out of your country from your family. Then how Lot went with him? Who told Lot to follow Abraham? And who told Abraham to have Lot follow him? 75 years, right? It says, and Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. That's what it says in your Bible, right? Make sure, you know, because I want to make sure your Bible and my Bible saying the same thing. Alright, because I wear glasses and we'll be seeing doubles. So I want to make sure because now we come over to verse 21. And it says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. And at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. And now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So if you subtract 100 from 75, you get 25. 25 years. All right. Good, good math right there. All right. Verse 7. So she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a child? For I have borne him a son in his old age. So the child grew and was weaned and they had a day and all of that. Verse 8. I want you to realize that between this time, Abraham and Lot had to separate. You, you remember? That, that, that Abraham... <laughs> um, Lot said, listen brother. Where you, over here, sir? Not now, go on. You see about this, sir? Things are going on. A All right? And he went. Abraham had to end up rescuing him in the story. But there had to be a separation between Abraham and Lot. What's the point? Sometimes God brings you on detour to remove the evil. Sometimes God brings you on, on, on detour to remove the people. Sometimes there are some people who need to be removed out of the way so you can continue on your journey. The worst thing you can do is travel on your journey with people who love comfort and convenience. Because they are going to complain every time you turn off road. Oh, I can't believe this a long drive in here. Every second here, stop, 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 stop. I turn, turn, turn. I look, look, look. I watch, watch, watch. I this, this, this. Me can't, I can't, but I, listen. Might as well, listen. Might as well me turn back. Listen. You know what? Let me up. Let me up. go back on my ear. Me can't, but I, that, have you ever. Do, 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 listen, the worst thing you can do is have impatient people. People love convenience. People love comfort. They are the lots. And many times God will bring you on a detour to remove the lots out of your life. So that the, 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 the dream, the vision, the word can now become manifest. And I know you think, like, no pastor, everybody support. No, 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 no. Everybody can be a part of it. That is why Joseph had to left, leave. Sorry, Joseph had to leave his brothers. David had to leave his brothers. There are some people you're going to have to leave. 
Because they can't come on the journey with you. Because if they were to come on the journey with you, they'll cause evil to come amongst you. They're going to ask you to stop where you're not supposed to stop. Do what you're not supposed to do. They're going to tell you to turn back. They're going to tell you to take the easy way. Because many people are not walking in faith want the easiest pathway. That's why the scripture says light have no fellowship with darkness. Come on now. I put it to you that many of you are being detoured right now in your life because you have some wrong people around you. You're holding on to what God wants you to let go of. Because God has something better for you. You can never get your better until you let go of your worse. And you're holding on to something that God wants. Abraham, though they were related, he had to let Lot go. Come on, just tell the person beside you, let Lot go. Listen, down the road I may come and help you, but right now, you gotta go. A few years from now, I will come and help you, but right now, you gotta go. Because if you don't do that, they will distract you. They will make you choose the comfortable and the convenient. And oftentimes, we mess up the journey and end up in the wrong destination. It's, it's not a matter of hate. It's a matter of love. You remember when Saddam was going to be destroyed? That there was one person who was part of the crew who said, boy, and look back because... They were out of Sodom, but Sodom was not out of them. And she looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. What, what that says to us is this. Listen, you can't have those people because they will always want to point you to where God has caused you to pass. They want to point you back to the things God has moved you past. Let me give you an next one. So you're saying, Pastor, it's Old Testament, we live in New Testament. Paul, in Galatians 5, sorry, Galatians 1. This is the Apostle Paul um, who goes on a three-year detour in the Arabian desert and Damascus waiting for his ministry to resume. This is Galatians 1, 15 to 18. And here it is that Paul spoke about having been saved and he said, God, he was brought to the Arabian desert because he didn't want to go to any flesh and blood. And before he started ministry, three years, he said, three years he stayed in this place. Again, I want to share with you that too often, God gives you a word and says, listen, mighty woman of God, mighty man of God, hallelujah, you shall teach, preach, however God wants to say it. And all of a sudden you believe that if God says it now, I need to do it now. Let me help you and help us, church. Because God speaks now, it doesn't make the manifestation now. Because there's a process before the manifestation. And that process is a process of maturity. And because we believe if God says it, no, I must do it, no, we oftentimes miss God's processing and we walk and begin to act in immaturity and we lose what we have. In other words, there is one guy called Samson and Samson learned what immaturity can do. Samson made many bad decisions because he wasn't willing to wait out the process based on his parents' instruction to come into maturity before he took on a wife. And so he took on a wife of his own liking because he thinks like if I'm strong it means that I must be ready for a woman and the same woman that he think he was stronger than caused him to fall you have to be mature before you take on certain things 
And God is the one who brings you into that level of maturity. Joseph is the next one. Joseph spent 13 years on a detour, enduring slavery and prison before entering Pharaoh's service. 13 years. So one man spent three, one man spent 13, one man spent 25, and next man spent 40, and David spent two 20-year periods. And even when the 40 come, he's still never ready. I'm, 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 I'm telling you, David had it to deal with. David had to be in a place called Hebron for 20 years before he became the king of all of Israel. It was in Genesis 41, verse 46, that the scripture said that Joseph, when, when, when the Pharaoh promoted Joseph, 13 years, 13 years, a pit, a prison, and sold for a price. For 13 years before it finally happened. Remember it happened to David church? What happened to David? David was nowhere forgotten and the man of God came and appointed him and said you shall be king you know how long that took it took a Goliath it took him going past a Saul you, you, you know many enemies David had to go through to get there you remember, you remember he had to go he had to, first he had to deal with animals then a giant then kings then nation then his family, and he had to also deal with his own demons before he got to the place that God wanted him to. But in all of that, though David was in a cave, he still got to the palace. Though he was in a valley with Goliath, he still got to the palace. David was kicked, you know that David was kicked out of the same place he ended up being king in? Come on now. What does that say to me? That even if you're kicked out of the place God will bring you back in your season they, listen they will do you all kind of things but it is just a detour listen the run you out of what belongs to you is just a detour because God is going to bring me back to the place that God has designed for me it's just a detour and David had to see it that way and you and I must see it that way just like these biblical figures God takes um, takes us on detours to develop us for his purpose. It is just development. Come on, just tell the person beside you, you're going through development. And, and I, know, I know you don't like it, but, but that's it, you're going through development. You see, David had to do some development in a cave. Joseph had to do some development in the prison. Paul had to do some development in the Arabian desert. Uh, Abe, Moses had to do some development uh, um, on the backside of the desert. It's just development. Why? Because God uses detours to prepare us for our future. I'm being prepared for the future. I, I, I remember growing up um, and I went to camp and they had this song that says, I'm somewhere in the future and I look much better than I look right now. And I used to sing that and I never knew until I get old and I'm saying, of course I look, I'm, uh, I look much better right now. And, and today I'm singing the same song. I'm somewhere in the future and I look much better 
Then I look right now. You, you haven't seen the best of me yet because I'm still on a detour. But I know that I'm going to make the destination because he who has begun this good work in me, he's going to bring it to completion. No devil can stop it or thwart it. And I am certainly not going to abort it. I'm going to be what God has purposed me to be. I'm going to walk into what God has called me to walk. Because I'm going to allow him to lead me on my detour. Church, I understand this. That when it comes on to detour. If you look at the Paul example. We, when we travel on the regular road. We follow ourselves and not the spirit. Because we know it already. We know it. That is why you need detour. Because in detours you understand what Proverbs says. That trust in the Lord with all your heart. You can't lean on your understanding. You have to acknowledge him in all your ways. And he directs your path. Do you know that when I'm going certain places. I don't need to call you and ask you for direction. I don't need to find a map. I don't need to use GPS. I don't need any of that. Because I know where I'm going. But where God is taking me. His thoughts are not my thoughts. His ways are not my ways. Therefore, I need to trust him. And the only way I can trust him is when I'm living in the unknown. In other words, if I'm a place where I don't know where to go, I have to follow the flagman. And I have to follow the directions. And I have to read the signs. In other words, I begin to look out for where God is working. I have to do that. When you're tra- Listen, you can imagine you going to to, 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 which, which part? St. Elizabeth. And you've never been there. Big up St. Elizabeth. You're going to St. Elizabeth. Going to Ballard's Valley in St. Elizabeth. There's an actual place called, so I hope you don't know it. Because the, I, the example won't work if you know it, right? You're going to Ballard's Valley. And you're supposed to leave right now and drive up Brownstone side and take them where they know. You have to talk to somebody that knows the, road, the, the way. In other words, the only way to get there... Is to be able to trust the person who's going to give you directions enough to follow the directions that they give you. How do you trust God? It's the same way when God brings you on a path where you have to call him before you drive off. And every step of the journey, you have to keep touching base with God. But if you were to, if somebody said to you, come to St. Mary, yeah man, which part? Port Maria, of course. You don't need to ask anything because you know there. The detours in life put you in a place. Where you have to touch base with God. Every moment of the journey. And that is building your intimacy with him. And your relationship with him. Amen. So he's using the the detours to prepare us for our future. Often we are simply not ready to handle our destiny. Because we lack maturity. God will not give you something that you are not mature to handle. Because it will destroy you. How do you know that you are ready? When God says you are ready. And he's going to take you here. Around here. Up there. Until he deals with what ought to be dealt with. He's going to remove the evil. He's going to remove the people. And he's going to prepare you. Like he prepared Paul. To prepare his people. That's the whole thing. That's the whole point. Of some of these things that we go through. You see even though God reveals Joseph's destiny. He also takes him on many detours. In order to mature him. For his coming reign over Egypt. Let that sink in your soul. And in your spirit. God shows you something. We do it with our kids. But we don't allow God to do it with us. 
Have you ever said to your son or your daughter, listen, don't worry, when you graduate, I'll give you a car. You know what, you don't buy the car, I said, I said to my son, when you're 13, I'm going to teach you how to drive. All right? I don't know, but he's, he's, he's confident that that is going to happen. So he start telling his brother that I'm going to be learning to drive before you. I mean, many things can change. But here's the thing. I know that he has to come. Because if he gets to 13 and he is not mature enough, he's not even ready for the lesson. So as I've said that, even at 13 I can say, you have not, you're not yet at the level of maturity to start learning. Let's take you on a detour. Develop some more maturity. Now, imagine my son says, listen, daddy, you don't know what you're talking about. Now. Whether you want or not, daddy, me I go drive. And he begins to take his own lessons elsewhere. You know that if I know that as him father, problem in the camp. Because two bull can read in my pen. So if you want to rain, you have to build your own pen and stay in there. But as long as you're in my pen, this bull runs things. What that means is that, listen, it's the same thing with God. God will not give you what you're not mature enough to deal with. Because it will destroy you. Tell me one issue you found with Joseph when he became king. When he became the, 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 the governor. It, read your Bible. Read your Bibles. Even when his brothers came. Joseph understood the journey so much that he said to them, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good. In other words, he was at a place where, guess what? There's nothing. There, there's nothing there. In other words, you can't find any fault with him at this point of his life because he had matured. You check Paul. Paul got to the place where, listen, after his whole three years, whole thing and all that he went through, Paul was in prison. And it never changed anything about his destination. He said, I was shipwrecked. I was beaten. I was persuaded not to go to Jerusalem because beaten awaited me. And I was encouraged even more to go. I ran there faster because I was going to be beaten for the Lord. And I loved it. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But that was Paul's attitude. Why? Why? Because Paul got to the place, church, where he was a mature enough to carry what God was giving him. That's why you have to enjoy the detour. Because if the detour is bringing you into major, major inconvenience, imagine what the reward is going to be. Come on now. Imagine if God is bringing you through all of this, on this long journey, imagine what the reward is going to be. So although each of our journey, journeys look different, God takes us on detours to prepare us for the things he has in store for us in the future. Don't measure your destination by looking at my journey. We're going two different places. So our journeys look different. We are different. 
leave my journey alone. I'm going to conclude. It's almost 12.30. Finally, as we experience detours, sometimes the things will get worse before they get better. No, you're probably going to think I'm telling you that. Well, don't worry. God is going to bring you into your destination. Hallelujah. Things are going to get. Listen. Let, let, me, let me put this to you. Things are probably going to get worse. I'm not prophesying. But I'm just telling you. You're on a detour. You may be detoured a little further. But delay is not denial. And pain is never the end. You see, the detours will do a couple of things to you. It, but it can only do what you allow it to. It will either build you up or it will break you down. But the choice is yours. You see, you don't get to determine your detour. You get to determine what your detour do to you or how it affects you. So things probably are going to get worse before they get better. So you may have less money now than you had before. The marriage may not get better right now. But what do you do when there is a detour in your marriage? Do you divorce or do you trust God? That God promised what he has brought together, let no man put asunder. That's the destination. What, what do you do when you're at the job and the people at the workplace are up against you? Do you get up and pack up and resign and run? Or do you say, listen, promotion don't come from the left or from the right, but it comes from the Lord. What, what do you do? What do you hold on to? Do you keep the destination in mind in spite of all that you're going through? You see, David, I mean, Saul fired spear, spears at David. Uh, Goliath tried to kill David. David's son tried to kill David, but he still got to his destination. It didn't change anything. We have, we are, the, uh, when it comes to, to God leading us towards our destiny, destiny, the irony is that the detour doesn't steer us away from construction meaning you're under construction I'm under construction and, and, and construction goes through different phases sometimes it is a digging of the foundation sometimes it's a laying of the blocks what they call that part where you're rendering the stuff it's different phases than you're putting on the roof and sometimes you have some Persons who come and the blocks are not put up properly. I have to knock down and then get them straight again. You, you understand me? Sometimes everything is not level. I have to scrape off and put but on. But, the, but, but at the end of it, the good thing is that when everything is done perfectly, at the end of it, everybody looks. They never see the journey. What they see is the end product. And they say, whoa, what, 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 what beauty. Look, I mean, that, that looks so good. It looks so, so good. So we are the construction project. And God uses the detours to build us up for the destination to come. Every Christian is a butterfly waiting to happen. Come on, just say that with me. I'm a butterfly waiting to happen. What do I mean by that? You may be saying, Pastor, you may say something and I don't even know what I mean. You're not a good-looking caterpillar. 
are a good looking. I've never heard somebody look at a butterfly and say, Oh my God, what a caterpillar look good. No, a caterpillar is one of the stages. But when it gets to butterfly, you don't call it caterpillar again. It, it, it means that there is a transformation that takes place. That is completely, it's like what that old song says. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. All things are passed away. I'm born again. It's a completely new thing. It's not a better looking caterpillar. That's why they call it a complete metamorphosis. It's a complete transformation. You see, a Christian may feel like a caterpillar or even think they look like a caterpillar. But the idea is to work out their salvation in the midst of adversity because God is at work within them to do his good pleasure. The caterpillar, the love of the different stages. Here's, here's the good news, church. That I don't think like the caterpillar is here and say, no, sir, no, sir. Me can't bother with this. No, I think it, it fights. It fights because it wants to become a butterfly. So here's the thing. I'm going to fight. I'm going to stay in this. Trusting God. Trusting in the project process. Believing God. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm not going to look at you. I'm not going to look at you. I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. Because I know if I do that one day, I'm going to be a beautiful butterfly. The transformation is sure to be completed for God's good pleasure because I am his good pleasure. The road to our destiny is oftentimes ugly and might seem like it's going nowhere. And you ask yourself why am I in this? Why am I doing this? What has God done for me lately? Why am I serving God? I can't see the benefit. I thought that they told me that, that uh, things will be better off. They told me I'd be married by now. They told me that my troubles will be over. They told me, yes, when the pastor preached, they said that all things will work for my good. I'm not seeing that now. What sense does it make? But God is transforming us into something beautiful, designed for a great work. I like things that take long to prepare. Because oftentimes, the things that take long to prepare, hallelujah, always taste good. So if I ever come to your house and you said, listen, Pastor, let me see if we can box up something fast. And, 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 and you go in the kitchen and you start cooking up some stuff and you come out and you present it in 10 minutes. My prayer would be, hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. God, I bless your name. Glory to God, hallelujah. Uh, Jesus, we thank you. Uh, God, I call upon you, the keeper of all mankind, lover of my soul. God, I know. God, I'm not ready to go to heaven yet. But if you desire, <laughs> yes, amen, because I, I'm not sure what's happening. But, but here's the thing. When I know you deal with some peace from the day before and you steam marinate your stuff and say, you understand me? And I come there and partake take long for cook and belly hungry and you say, you know, you know, don't eat. No, man, make it simmer some more. <laughs> and you put that before me, before I taste, I say, thank you, Jesus. Some have meat and don't have teeth. Some have teeth and don't have meat. But thank you, God, that I have meat and I have teeth. Let's eat in Jesus' name. And I'm ready. Why, why? Because, because the preparation makes me believe that the end product is good. What that means for you? It means that though you're on a detour, the preparation is saying that 
what's at the end is good. So don't give up. We, we, we sing this song earlier today. It says, you are always up to something good. And, and the idea behind that song is, in spite of where you are on your detour, God is up to something good. Maybe you feel like Joseph, man. The people who are closest to me have put me in a pit because they heard about my destiny, my dream. And you have to remember, but God, you're always up to something good. Maybe you feel like you're in prison, you're marginalized, you're confined. But then, God, you're always up to something good. Maybe you feel like, man, I'm in a cave. God, I came to serve the king. I've been appointed king. I've come to serve. But I've been running up and down. I run to a cave and they're running me down. I go to a next cave and they're running me down. And in all your running, you have to remember, God, you are up to something good. And maybe you, you think like, God, I'm getting older. And you think like the biological clock is ticking. I don't know if I'll get married. I don't know if I have kids. But you have to remember about God. You're always up to something good. You may feel like Moses and you say, you know what, man? I, I was helping the people and the same people that I was helping, they called me a murderer. Why should I go back? You say, God, you're always up to something good. Maybe you lost your job and that's just God's detour. Instead of cussing and complaining, just a lot. I know that you are always up to something good. Maybe you're having some pain in your marriage and in your family. And you have to remember, God, you're always up to something good. Why? Because I know, God, I know that you're going to bring me to my destination. For your plans for me are good plans. They're not plans to harm me. Come on, just lift your hands right where you are. And just a lot of thank you that you're, you're up to something good. So in my circumstances right now you're up to something good in the pain you're up to something good in the misery you're up to something good Lord even if I'm in a pit you're up to something good in the prison you're up to something good when I don't know where to go you're up to something good when I don't know what to do you're up to something good when the unexpected happen, you're up to something good. When the inconvenient happen, you're up to something good. Come on, just the Lord, in every detour, you're up to something good. Tell God that you're maturing me, you're preparing me, you're removing the evil. You're removing the people that would affect my destination. Hallelujah. In every bad report, God is doing something good. The enemy may have meant it for evil. God is going to work it for your good. 
I love how Paul says it. Paul says, and we know that all things work together for good. For those who love God and are called according to his good purposes. Come on, just put your hand on your chest this morning and say, and I know that all things will work for my good. stand to your feet. Let me pray with you this morning. Come on, just stand to your feet and and just lift your hands and just give him 30 minutes of worship. I know there are some detours. I know that you feel like you've been made inconvenient and maybe the pandemic and so many things have changed and you're dying to go back to the normal and and God is just doing something. Come on, just worship him and say, God, I, I understand. I understand, God. The journey looks rough, but I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you with all my heart. I will lean on my own understanding. I'm trusting you, Lord God, that there's a purpose for the detour. That you're working something good. I'm trusting you, Lord. I'm not trusting in my own self, in my own strength. I'm trusting in you. emotional detour maybe uh, on a spiritual detour for those who are online watching God maybe they are on a spiritual detour an emotional detour a financial detour whatever it is this morning God I pray that they will remember that you are still in control and though there is delay there is no denial it may take longer but it's going to make them stronger going around in circles you are going around in a process a process of maturity a process of preparation a process of removing things a process of removing people a process of building them up so that they can carry the weight of the destination I pray that they will Fix their eyes on you. Hallelujah. Come on, just thank him, church. Just thank you that you are up to something good. I thank you that you're up to something good. Come on, just say, right now in my life, Lord, I thank you that you're up to something good. Though it may get worse, before it gets better, I thank you that you are up to something good. Come on, you are always. You are always up to something good. You are always up to something good, God. 